1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday night at 6 o'clock. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Um, With me tonight is the lovely and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you tonight, Miss Jeannie? Tired. (laughs) She needs a nap. Possibly a vacation on a beach with rum. Um and the best producer of Money Can't Buy, Very. Hi Very, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. Can, yeah. can I have some rum as well? It sounds
1: good. Uh, <laughs> yeah it sounds good to me too. And I don't drink. Uh it's <laughs> been that kind of a week. So, um Alex is gonna come on a little later with the um Kassah update. He's gonna let me know when he's ready. But mm-hmm. um as you can imagine, uh lately it's like the floodgates have opened on all the um little bans, so trying to take action to stop those is uh, a little more challenging than state legislation. So. Uh, Mr Jean- Alex. Yes.
2: I would just like to re- reiterate something that uh, Kevin said last night. You and Alex both, and Julie and everybody else, um, the people at CASA, the people at the vaping militia, the people at the AVA, the people at Zafata, the people... And all of the advocacy groups, NBC—I mean, just everybody. Thank you. And Alex was wrong when he said, "Oh no, you know, people do say thank you. It's 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 okay." No, people do not say thank you enough. They really don't. They have no idea the amount of sleep that you people lose trying to fight for our rights. So, thank you.
1: Um, all I can tell you is we we try to provide people with the tools. It, it's up to people to step up. And when they do that, that makes everything a lot easier. So, um, thank you to people who step up. So, yeah. Um, it's been a really interesting week news wise. Um, let's see, what do we want to talk about first? The TSA? Sure. That sounds good. Okay. There's a wasted amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> TSA security screeners accused of helping smuggle meth through San Francisco uh, Airport. Two security screeners at San Francisco International Airport were arrested in arraigned today on charges of conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine and accepting a bribe from a third suspect who is also in federal custody. The alleged smuggling operation was coordinated, at least in part, through Facebook messages, which are quoted extensively in the criminal complaint filed in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California. San Francisco resident Claudio Verney S- S- Sunix and S- 30 and South San Francisco resident Amanda Lopez, 27, were working as security screeners and contractors for the TSA. According to a statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office, the morning of September 17th, FBI agents provided Annabelle Giovanni Ramirez, a 28-year-old San Francisco resident, with two pieces of luggage containing packages filled with 20 pounds of methosulfomethane, a common filler or cutting agent. One of the bags also contained 68.5 grams of pure meth, according to the criminal complaint. Lopez allegedly overlooked the packages as they were smuggled through a security checkpoint at San Francisco International Airport in exchange for money. Senex allegedly coordinated the operation according to the U.S. attorney. Ramirez has also been arrested and arraigned. All three defendants have been charged with conspiracy to distribute meth, which carries a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years to life in prison and fines of up to $10 million. Sonex and Lopez have been charged with agreeing to receive a bribe, and Ramirez has been charged with offering to bribe a public official. Those offenses carry a maximum sentence of 15 years in prison. All three defendants are currently in federal custody. Sonex and Lopez are scheduled to appear before the U.S. magistrate on Monday in San Francisco, and Ramirez will be in court on Wednesday. It's a shock, isn't it? They are such upstanding pillars
2: of the community. It's not... not (laughs) remotely not even
1: remotely <laughs> surprising where
0: no. were they wearing no. chicken restaurant outfits when they applied for the job
1: oh god god only knows <laughs> <laughs> oh god I
2: don't think um. about that though very that thought is absolutely terrifying they get fired from the tsa for doing a shitty job and being a slather ass, and the next thing you know, they're cooking your food? Do you really <laughs> want to think about these people cooking your food? I mean, come on.
1: A lot of these people get pulled. I mean, do you remember when they first started, and, and this was a huge scandal when it first came out, the Transportation Safety Administration was actually advertising for help on the top of Pizza Hut boxes.
0: <laughs>
1: and I don't, I don't know about you Are you a fat
0: you. slob? <laughs> Come work for know, us
1: <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't expect the help I'm going to get from A Help Wanted ad on Pizza Hut Box to be um, quite the caliber that I would uh, want dealing with potential terrorism suspects allegedly. I wonder how
0: many stoners ended up applying <laughs>
1: I don't know. That's kind of what I'm saying, though. I mean, Pizza Hut is not its not real food, and it is kind of, I don't know, chain food, cheap, quick, and you always know what you're getting. Yeah, but except with the TSA, it's, you know, it's painful, expensive, and you definitely don't know what you're getting. Yeah. So, okay. Um, red tape keeps some bad government workers from being fired. In the private sector, if you're court-viewing porn on company time or intimidating a co-worker, you'd probably be fired immediately. Not so if you're a federal employee. An investigation looks at how hard it is for the U.S. government to discipline or fire employees who behave badly. With examples ranging from extravagant to explicit, civil servant rules meant to protect public workers from political pressure may be backfiring and costing you big. At the Environmental Protection Agency, Red Tape is preventing the removal of a top-level employee accused of viewing porn two to six hours a day while at work since 2010. Even though investigators found 7,000 pornographic files on his computer and even caught him watching porn, he remains on the payroll. At a, at a congressional hearing, what? employ. <laughs> con- six I know. hours a day? This yes.
2: man has some fucking issue.
0: He's got one arm that's a lot bigger than the
1: other. <laughs> he does. The Congressional Hearing EPA Administrator Gina McCarthy was asked why she hadn't fired the employee and said, I actually have to work through the administrative process, as you know. <clears throat> the administrative process meant to prevent against politically motivated firings is the civil servant protection system. The rules give employees the right to appeal a termination, a process that can take up to two years. There's a big difference between trying to protect against that and what we have today, Partnership for Public Service President and CEO Max Dyer said. He said that those rules make it nearly impossible to fire poor performers or problematic employees, even when they've committed egregious violations. Many managers would like to get rid of problem employees and find that they have to go through a challenging process, Dyer said. An analysis of cases under review by the Merit System Protection Board, an appeals board for federal workers, found other instances of employees who had committed seemingly fireable offenses who were later reinstated to their jobs, often with back pain interest. Highly publicized cases are no exception. Five years ago, the General Services Administration spent more than $800,000 on a lavish conference in Las Vegas. They were served 1,000 sushi rolls, each costing $7, and a clown and mind reader were hired for entertainment. Two managers were initially fired but got their jobs back after the MSPB board reversed the decision. At a congressional hearing in 2012, chairman for the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, Jason Chavez, asked the, C- the GSA chief of staff, Mike Robertson, what it takes to be fired from the GSA. Quote, this is a longstanding due process that career employees are entitled to as part of their employment, Robert Sudden said. We have begun that process, among other disciplinary actions, for several individuals that were involved in the planning and execution of this conference. The appeals board found that while the conference levels of extravagance had no place in government, the GSA did not convincingly prove that the two managers knew or had reason to know of these ill advised planning and purchasing decisions. The GSA was ordered to cancel the appellant's removals and give them back pay plus interest. Meanwhile, the organizer of the convention was never technically fired, he was just allowed to retire. Firing belligerent or hostile workers is difficult too, one former manager said that he tried for more than a year to fire an employee who was intimidating co-workers and superiors, at one point even chasing a manager down the hall. <laughs> God. Uh, Upset about being reprimanded, the employee sent him numerous menacing emails, including one that read, quote, I can stand over you. I am six foot three inches and weigh 265 pounds, and I am not backing down. And by the way, I do know where you live. Taking into consideration administrative leave and the general costs of the procedure itself, Steyer says there is no question that taxpayers are losing hundreds of millions of dollars in a conservative estimate. They are losing more than that because they are losing the ability to get the very best out of our government. Congressman Japs hopes to change that. We're going to pass a series of pieces of legislation, some of which deal with specific things like pornography. But at some point, it's just common decency and a recognition that if you're not doing your job and you're creating a hostile work environment, you've got to go. On the average, about 6,000 terminations are appealed each year. About half of those are related to misconduct and poor performance. I feel good about the amount of money that the government's wasting on that.
0: Mm. Yet again, who wrote the regulations that they didn't put clauses in <laughs> for misconduct? <laughs>
1: I I have no idea. It's just fucking ridiculous.
0: Because yeah, I- I've been a manager in the UK. And yeah, mm-hmm. disciplinary procedures, very well known by most workers in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things oh. like watching porn at work counts as gross <laughs> misconduct, <laughs> and you can be sacked immediately. It's in the contracts, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mind blown, Jeannie. I'm still stuck on the t- <laughs> six hours <laughs> two to <laughs> two to six hours a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. How often do they have to restock the tissues in his office?
1: Uh, God, I don't know. I would hope he would restock his own tissues. <laughs>
0: The worst one I heard was I've got a friend who lives and works in Germany and they've okay. got really, really, really insane employment law. And mm-hmm. um, there's a guy at where he worked whose job got folded. It was no longer necessary, but right. they couldn't fire him. The guy was coming in every day and sitting in the canteen reading a newspaper all day <laughs> because it wasn't his fault that the job was no longer there. So they couldn't actually fire him unless he did something wrong. But since he didn't actually have a job, as long as he turned up, they couldn't fire him. (laughs) How insane is that?
1: That is insane. So the guy,
0: like something like five years before his official retirement. So that's it, he was just coming in five years every day and reading the newspaper, talking to people.
1: (laughs) It seems to me they could have given him something else to do.
0: Well, yeah, you'd think, but probably you know? not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I guess not. Um, who, I was going to save this for the end, but I think I want to talk about the world's dumbest criminal.
0: Oh, there's a lot oh, of Oh, there's them- a new record holder, is there?
1: <laughs> Police discover a pot in container labeled, not weed. <laughs> One Nebraska pot smoker may just win an award for the least conspicuous criminal ever. After being pulled over for a simple traffic violation on Saturday, Jordan Meyer, 21, was discovered with a container in his car labeled, not weed. However, when the police followed a hunch and opened it up, they discovered there was, in fact, marijuana in the container. After being pulled over at about 9 p.m. in Lincoln, Nebraska, police discovered the plastic sour cream container with the mislabeled writing. Meyer fessed up and admitted to owning the container as well as the pot inside of it. He was then arrested for marijuana possession, as well as suspicion of drunken driving, according to the UK Daily Mail. According to the Lancaster County Police, a deputy sheriff stopped a vehicle for a traffic violation in Lincoln. The deputy arrested the driver for DUI. An inventory search of the vehicle yielded a 16-ounce sour cream container labeled with permanent marker, not weed. The container contained 11.5 grams of suspected marijuana. The driver was cited for DUI possession of marijuana less than an ounce. The state of Nebraska has somewhat decriminalized possession of marijuana, however. This means that first-time offenders will not receive a criminal record and will be able to avoid prison time if it is a, mess, if it is a minor traffic violation. Possession of more than one ounce carries a heavier sentence with a maximum fine of $300. I love the freaking... Do you see the container? Yeah. <laughs> There she is, you know, the dairy. When I first started working in a grocery store, um, we used to cut, like, we used to get damaged cases of butter, Land O'Lakes butter. And we used to cut the Land O'Lakes princess off. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we used to call her the Dairy Fairy. We used to put her all over the place. It's a joke. But uh, I, I laughed when I first saw it. I'm like, oh, look, it's the Dairy Fairy.
0: So. It's obviously yeah. a well-used container as well because the, the pen yeah. fading.
3: Yeah, it's,
1: but it's not weed. It's sour cream. It's not weed. Yeah. <laughs> I think he might be one of the dumbest criminals ever. I thought that was funny.
0: No, I still think the, the the worst criminal still the classic uh, clip of the guy trying to rob a bank. The alarms go off, <laughs> and he tries to run out the door, and it's a pull door, not a push door. And he keeps <laughs> running into it and can't get out. And can't My figure game. out that it's a push door. <laughs> A pull door. My, my, my,
1: my favorite one is the guy who grabs like a big ass cinder block and tries to throw it through a window. Oh, and smacks and his mate in the head. It freaking, and freaking himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah knocks <laughs> them both out. That's great.
0: Oh, and there's the, the convenience store robber where the cashier basically points behind him, the guy looks around briefly, and the cashier steers the, steals the gun off him. Yeah, That's another good one.
1: There are a <laughs> lot of really good ones, but I thought yeah. that was funny. Um,. I don't know. I just thought I would throw something in there for laughs. I don't normally do that, so you got your laugh this week. Stupid
0: criminals are always good, though.
1: I know. You got your laugh this week. Uh, Enjoy it. Okay. Mm. Philadelphia officials seek to cure journalism student of his high-minded ideas about government. Journalism student Coulter Loeb. ...tried to photograph Philadelphia police officer George Gasper Jr. as the latter tried to shoo an overnight camper from the city's Rittenhouse Square. Gasper claims Loeb interfered with his duties as a police officer, so he arrested Loeb, cuffed him, and charged him with disorderly conduct. Loeb sued, claiming the arrest violated his First and Fourth Amendment rights. Despite the fact that every court to rule on the matter has now determined that there is a First Amendment right to record on-duty police... And that according to the ACLU, Philadelphia police have a history of wrongful arrests in this area. U.S. District Court Judge William H. Young Jr. dismissed Loeb's free speech claim this year, finding that such a right isn't yet clearly established in the 3rd District. Welcome to the world of qualified immunity, where police are only required to follow well-established laws. But the other claim went forward right to trial. And here... Oh, God. I love when this does this. And here, hang on, is the city. Of, okay? And here is the city of Philadelphia registered its contempt for transparency from the AP. A college student arrested as he photographed a Philadelphia police encounter with a homeless woman said Wednesday he tried to be a fly on the wall until he was put on handcuffs. However, a city attorney described then journalism student Colter Loeb as a meddlesome 24 year old with, quote, very high minded ideas about the government and the role of the media. Assistant City Solicitor John C. Doyle, Coyle, told jurors that Loeb was interfering with Gasper's work as he tried to remove an overnight camper from Tony Rittenhouse Square. Like many other college students, he has some very high minded ideas about government, the role of government in its interactions with its citizenry, and the role of media in observing those reactions, Cole said in his opening statement. Certainly can't have our young people thinking that police and government should be transparent and accountable to the people. Best dispuse them of this notion early with an arrest and a few hours in handcuffs. Officer Gasper didn't like the cut of Lowe's jib either. He looked me up and down and then took a step back. That, to me, was being a wise guy, said Gasper, who said he refrained from charging him with more than a summary offense. He was a young man. didn't look like he needed the electric chair to be punished here, the officer said. How generous of him. It's a problem. (laughs) That's a really big problem, and that's kind of why we do this. Yeah. Don't you think?
0: But I like that, you know. That it has to be a well-established law.
1: See, I've never so who, seen that before. Who, who
0: defines what "well-established" means. So it after I've to have been in since the eighteen hundreds? I mean, what?
1: I don't, I don't know, <laughs> and that's that's a problem. It's yeah. a real problem, and I I know it doesn't seem like the biggest issue, but it really is a big
0: issue. Oh, I'm I'm always worried when you have a a judge who uses open terms like that, because the law is usually very specific. So you know he's talking shit when he starts using open
1: terms.
2: Everybody uses this, oh, well, there's a gray area. Well, you know
1: what? The gray area needs to be very, very small. Yeah. I I don't think there's a gray area here, though. If, and I know I'm guilty of this, I, I... like the Constitution is the Bible it's a magic piece of paper it's going to cure all the world's problems it's not but it is the basis of what law and justice is supposed to be in our country today and we either follow it or we don't and we don't follow it. Well
0: also that judge completely threw out all the precedents for all the other judges who've ruled the other way which is insane Yeah, (laughs) I thought case precedents was supposed to be one of the Important things in law.
1: Well, you know, and I think we've talked about this before. A lot of judges are just handed their positions. You know what I mean? They yeah. they have no law experience. None of them have been not none of them, but some of them haven't been law clerks. They don't understand what's going on, so they're just protecting the people who've helped get them a job, which is just yeah. really
0: judge duty uh, for attorney general. That's what I saying <laughs>
1: oh that would be that would be some interesting stuff scare
0: the hell out of politicians
1: (laughs) so (laughs) Jeannie knows about this because I about blew a gasket I didn't put it in the the notes for the show this evening but um Jeannie can can you sum up what um what the new plan is for law enforcement in this country holy fuck and what do people think
2: okay they want to put all law enforcement under the control of the federal government. All of it. Every fucking bit. So the only people that can enforce the law are the federal government that aren't supposed to be fucking armed to start with. What is that? What do people... Do, do people... did? Didn't anybody pay attention to history
1: class? Ever? I don't, I don't think anybody did. And I mean, to me... This is how Germany got but it's a real problem to nationalize law enforcement is a real problem and not that law enforcement doesn't have some real issues that need working on they do um but it's not every it's not every cop it's not every district attorney it's not every place on the planet and that's Not what we're reading. We're reading that everybody needs to answer to the same rule of law. Well, that's not true. You're supposed to have separation between the very branches of government and indeed between state and federal laws. That's supposed to be something that's there to protect the average citizen from getting railroaded into horrible things. So. Yeah, I, I really hope that plan doesn't wind up going through. Maybe that's just me, though.
2: Oh, my God. I, Jan, I think you sent me that link because you knew was,
1: <laughs> I would just freak out. Well, I don't blame you. I freaked when I read it, and I'm going, you you, you want to take all law enforcement and put it under the auspices of the federal government? Really? That'll be Interesting. Yeah, I mean, um,
0: police have to be independent. That's the whole point.
1: It's it's some terrifying stuff, and, and hopefully that doesn't happen. Do I agree that places like uh, Ferguson, Missouri, probably need some um, oversight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. But um, I don't think this will fix anything. I think it will create more problems than it solves, so...
0: Well, in the UK, you have uh, the police are paid for by the government, but they are right. technically uh, separate. Well, but you I mean- to, to deal with problems, we have something called the Independent Police Complaints Commission, right. which is separate again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you have a problem with the police, you go to them because it's not which the should- government and it's not the police. It's completely separate from either of them
1: which is probably the way it should be. There needs to be that separation of powers. When you take and put everything together under the auspices of the federal government, that only makes the federal government that much stronger. It makes it that much more powerful. It makes it that much more able to meddle in your affairs. And I don't want that. I want them to be weaker and less effective.
0: (laughs) The British system is all paid for by the government. But the government can't direct the police in certain ways. And they can't direct the Complaints Commission either. They can make suggestions, but they can't actually tell them what to do. That's a good thing.
1: But, uh, you know, um, you guys are clear on your history. Mm -hmm. Um, We seem to just forget certain areas of world history. And how it affects us even to this day. Just well, I mean, the UK,
0: the UK, <laughs> there are some weird, small, weirdness things going on, but yeah, the only, basically, the only people in general allowed to be uh, law enforcement are the police service. Nobody else is allowed to do it. We don't have bounty hunters and all that kind of thing. You probably um,
1: don't have private security. Well, I mean, you do I'm sure have you private have security,
0: security, but they're not allowed to be armed. uh, they're, they can't even technically arrest you. They can detain you until the police arrive.
1: Detain you and look menacingly at yeah. you? <laughs>
0: yeah. But they can't physically harm you or they're breaking the law. So, yeah. Um,
1: you know, there, there's, there's w- something-
0: And we can't... The UK is the complete opposite in another way. Here it's illegal to form your own militia. Unless there's a war. No. Unless you live in a town in Scotland called Blair Athol... In which case, the lord there, you know, the the, uh, Duke of Blair Athol, has his own private army.
1: (laughs) Because that's been allowed
0: by the the royal family in the past. It's quite weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, technically here, our standing army was supposed to be the militia. That was supposed to be every one of us. And we... Technically, if you actually looked at it, um, we probably would have gotten military training, every single one of us, very much like um, Switzerland. You know what I mean? We would have all had...
0: Scandinavian countries. Yeah, yeah,
1: we would have all had mandatory time where we would have been... had to serve. um, And we all would have gotten training. And I think that training would have weeded out some of the more fucking psychotic people we see out there doing stupid shit today.
0: It's it's one of those things. I I think... Western countries, I think we, we all should be doing a certain amount of mandatory service. Especially now, where the family unit seems to be completely broken. Because oh. uh, kids aren't being taught discipline. Uh, but a sergeant screaming at them at the top of their lungs might force some of that in there.
1: Well, it it might or it might backfire and, and turn them into... Well, oh Yeah, I don't really want to talk about war movies, but... Um, that Just uh, this is my rifle.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It it can backfire too. So um, yeah, at least at
0: least it's a more controlled backfire uh, in some ways. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know, but technically that is how that would have worked out if we had actually bothered to follow the Constitution as it was written the states would have had their own standing armies and they would have been composed of all of the residents of those states. You would have received military training and indeed weapons and ammunition from the state. Um, those never would have been able to be taken from you is, is my interpretation from actually reading the Constitution. So, you know, yes,
0: The Scandinavian countries have got bits in there for taking away the weapons from people who uh, get up to naughtiness. But yeah, they're pretty much what? the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, go, I think... go to Norway
0: that, and Sweden, everybody's got guns. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know, you see pictures of little girls out riding bicycles and they've got shotguns on their backs. It's just amazing to me. Well, I had and, a friend
0: who was Swedish, and she remembers, mm-hmm. you know, going hunting with her granddad off, off to shoot some I mean, elk or something. Wow.
1: <laughs> she was like nice. seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we used to do that here, too. I mean, kids were actually raised with guns, much like uh, Bernie, Jeannie. You know, when you're raised around them and you know how to use them right, it cuts down on problems. So.
2: Guns are only dangerous when they're in the hands of people who are ignorant of them. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, we're all spies now. CIA director announces major restructuring. The director of the CIA announced this week a major overhaul of the agency's organizational structure, ending the traditional separation between spies and analysts, while also creating a new division to handle cyber warfare. Director John Brennan officially announced the restructure to agency employees on Friday. Thousands of spies and CIA analysts will be reassigned to new posts, marking one of the most significant changes to the agency's core structure in its 67-year history. Never has the need for full and unfettered integration of our capabilities been greater, Brennan said in a declassified statement to his employees. Under the new model, spies and analysts will be integrated and assigned to 10 new mission centers, which, according to Brennan, will bring the full range of operational, analytic, support, technical, and digital personnel and capabilities to bear on the nation's most pressing security issues and interests. Describing the new mission centers, Brennan said... Assistant directors will be accountable for integrating and advancing the mission in all of its various forms and for overall mission accomplishment in their respective geographic or functional area. The reorganization will allow the CIA to cover the entire universe, this is his statement, regionally and functionally, Brennan told reporters in a briefing earlier this week. Further details on the mandates of the mission centers were hard to come by. The CIA declined to provide additional briefing materials beyond the director's prepared statements. The New York Times reported that the centers will focus on terrorism, w- weapons proliferation, the Middle East, and other areas with responsibility for espionage operations, intelligent analysis, and covert actions. The Washington Post, meanwhile, reported that longstanding divisions focused on Africa the Middle East and other regions will give way to centers of corresponding geographic boundaries. The Directorates of international—oh, inte- of Intelligence and Operations, as the analysts and spying branches are known, will continue to exist, but function mainly as talent pools, recruiting, training, personnel that can be deployed to the new centers. The fusing of analysts and operatives reflects the influence and power of the CIA's Counterterrorism Center. Formerly a small, somewhat maligned office, the Counterterrorism Center emerged in the wake of uh, September 11 as the CIA's premier hunter-killer wing, directing lethal operations around the globe, including the agency's highly controversial and secretive drone program. In its effort to hunt down suspected terrorists, the Counterterrorism Center has fused thousands of analysts and spies under one umbrella of operations, a move Brennan has supported In his remarks Friday, Brennan also announced the creation of a new division called the Directorate of Digital Innovation, which will handle the CIA's cyber operations, taking on responsibility of two existing directorates, the Open Source Center and the Information Operations Center. The former monitors social media, while the latter conducts cyber penetrations and attacks. The new digital directorate will have significantly more leeway than both its predecessors, according to Brennan, What we need to do as an agency is make sure we're able to understand all of the aspects of the digital environment, he told reporters. Defending his sweeping changes to the agency, Brennan compared the CIA to Kodak, the film company that folded in the face of digital technology. Things just passed them by, the spy chief said. I don't... I'm not comfortable with that.
0: Right, what this basically comes down to is we don't want to have a Snowden... (laughs)
1: yeah it's not about
0: reorganizing it's about making sure they can keep an eye on what their people are up to
1: (laughs) it kind of always has though you know what i mean i um i'm not really thrilled with the focusing on social media aspects i you know it was creepy enough when they opened a facebook account it was weird (laughs) enough when they started tweeting i don't I don't like the idea that they're gonna be able to quote penetrate Facebook even more or Twitter even more. Although, you know, let's oh, but be honest I'm sure funny when
0: hawkers Facebook make their is account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens quite regularly, so yeah, they probably do need a cyber warfare division. <laughs>
1: yeah, well they kinda do, but you know, announcing it seems stupid. Although, you know, at least it's declassified.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably more of what's going on. They've actually been doing this for a while. Yeah. And now they're just telling you they're doing it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how the government seems to work. Hmm. Okay. Said I would talk about the CIA. We did. I said I would talk about. Did I talk about the FBI? Oh, I don't think I did. But uh, hang on. We'll get all the fun, the really fun stuff out of the way. I promised you fun. Uh, FBI email warns whistleblower of retaliation if surveillance program concerns reported. The FBI bluntly told a potential whistleblower that he could face retaliation by coming forward with concerns about political meddling inside a secret terrorism and counterintelligence surveillance unit. The warning came in an email from a Bureau attorney that raises questions in Congress about the Bureau's ability to properly handle accusations of wrongdoing and protect those who come forward. The Senate Judiciary Committee is planning to take testimony Wednesday about the FBI's whistleblower, whistleblower protections, and an ongoing review of the bureau's surveillance program has raised some concerns for the panel's chairman, Senator Chuck Grassley, Iowa Republican. The main question would turn on the reasonab- reasonableness. What a horrible
2: reasonableness.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a word. It's not a fucking word is it? No, but nope, a that, that's made up.
0: That's
1: a <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it, going, "All right, hooked on phonics isn't helping here." <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, man who makes up words. Uh, the main question would turn on the reasonable list. <clears throat> not a word of your belief. That is, would a reasonable person in your situation believe that the conduct at issue demonstrated by mismanagement or abuse of authority? The FBI attorney within the Office of Integrity and Compliance wrote in an email responding to the whistleblower's inquiry, in my opinion, yes. Then came the kicker. I'm sure you know, though, that this does not guarantee that you will not be retaliated against. Even though retaliation slash reprisal for making protected disclosures is illegal, the attorney included in an August email to the whistleblower. The email, which was obtained and validated by the Washington Times, demonstrates what lawmakers and whistleblower activists have long suspected. The FBI repeatedly mishandles whistleblower cases, retaliating against employees who report waste, fraud, and abuse, and fails to adequately investigate charges of misbehavior. The whistleblower works in one of FBI's G-teams, which investigate counterterrorism cases, a topic on which the FBI is notoriously resistant to whistleblower complaints. The FBI has placed its bureaucratic culture ahead of protecting Americans from terrorism, said Stephen Cohn, a lawyer and executive director of the National Whistleblower Center. They have allowed a retaliatory amos and their cultural hostility towards whistleblowers. Uh, I love when this just says... They have allowed a retaliatory amos and their cultural hostility towards whistleblowers to compromise the counterterrorism program what else these employees are rep- well, what these employees are reporting is shocking but not new last month the government accountability office found the fbi did little to offer its whistleblowers immunity and recommended the law enforcement agency issue guidance for those who wish to file complaints The J.A.O. report found nearly 90% of FBI whistleblower claims were dismissed and that only three cases from 2009 to 2013 did the Department of Justice side with the complainant. It also took the bureaucracy as long as 10 years to resolve complaints, even if verified, the report found. The FBI's whistleblower process is broken, Mr. Grassley said in a statement to the Times. His committee will dig into such accusations Wednesday, demanding predictions... Protections and oversight for those brave enough to come forward. I am going to take a very serious look at the reforms proposed by the GAO and the Justice Department at Wednesday's Judiciary Committee hearing, Mr. Grassley said. The FBI is continually trying to improve its whistleblower protection process, but not all of the lawyers within the FBI are qualified to answer whistleblower protection questions or grant whistleblower status, according to those within the agency. Only nine officials have been formally designated within the Bureau to receive whistleblower complaints, the GAO report found. Any FBI employee who reports wrongdoing to a boss not anointed by the FBI to handle such complaints is not protected, and the person does not have a right to recourse if the individual should experience retaliation as a result, according to the GAO assessment. The FBI recognizes the important role played by whistleblowers in our law enforcement efforts, and we take very seriously our responsibilities with regard to employees uh, who make protected disclosures under regulations. FBI spokesperson Christopher Allen said in response to the whistleblowers' accusations and emails. The FBI will not tolerate reprisals or intimidation by any FBI employee against those who make protected disclosures nor tolerate attempts to prevent employees from making such disclosures, the spokesman said. Last year, the FBI proposed revamping its whistleblower rules to make it easier for those to come forward. It expanded the list of FBI officials to whom a whistleblower can report concerns, and it allows whistleblowers to call witnesses if their cases are heard and make them eligible for compensation if their case proves true. Still, those revisions prove little solace for the members on the surveillance squad wanting to report misbehavior. The whistleblower's personal file, personnel file, shows that for most of the last two decades, he received high ratings and frequent praise for his surveillance work, including numerous awards and commendations, as well as personal letters of gratitude directly from FBI directors when he worked in the Washington area. He received a rating of excellent in 2013 in his new division. But after he questioned management in 2014 as to why his division was passed over for a new surveillance team, it had earned in rankings the whistleblower was given a first ever negative evaluation i've been retaliated against just for asking a fair question he told the times his performance review dated september 11th um, september 2014 a month before he went to the fbi's legal team seeking whistleblower advice was downgraded to minimally successful with the primary justification being he was spending too much time trying to call out mismanagement rather than concentrating on the job at hand Name of whistleblower advised that he had consulted with a law firm and was going to pursue legal action. His supervisor wrote in a September review obtained by The Times. I advised him he was free to do so, but all research and related activity must be on his own time, and his time was to his time was to be spent leading the team just a year earlier. However, the whistleblower received an excellent performance for review, even notching off a few outstanding marks, the highest rank in some categories. name of whistleblower demonstrated excellent skill in establishing priorities, schedules, and plans when given a new assignment or task. He quickly evaluated the priority and addressed appropriately, his 2013 review said. After the performance downgrade and being told by an FBI lawyer his efforts to report agency waste fraud and abuse may lead to retaliation, the whistleblower sought whistleblower protection status and took his concerns to both the Justice Department's Inspector General and the Senate Judiciary Committee. FBI culture discourages any kind of official complaint, said Michael Greeman, a fellow with the Bremen Center for Justice, Liberty, and National Security Program, and a former FBI agent. You can whine and stomp your feet, and nobody's going to get too angry with you. But if you make an official complaint, it has to go on paper. It exists. It's real, and somebody has to deal with it. Mr. Greeman left the FBI in 2004 after reporting deficiencies in the FBI's counterterrorism operations to Congress complaints of which he said ended his career at the Bureau. you would think the FBI would be interested in knowing how to do its job better, but they seemed more concerned about suppressing complaints, especially regarding terrorism cases, he said. The fact that there's so few people qualified to grant whistleblower protection has a chilling effect on those in the Bureau who may want to report misdeeds but can't go through their traditional chain of command, Mr. Gurman said. 42% of FBI agents surveyed by the Inspector General in 2009 said they did not report all the employee misconduct they found on the job, and 18% said they never reported misconduct at all, which is troubling for a law enforcement agency, said Mr. Gurman. The reasons cited for not reporting included fears of retaliation, management not being supportive, or worries no disciplinary action would be sought. The counterterrorism units in which the threatened whistleblower works are known as G-teams, and they are made up of covert tracking specialists who do not have the rank of special agents. With the possibility of 1,000 terrorist sleeper cells embedded within the U.S., G-teams work with the FBI agents to track down potential threats to the U.S. homeland. Quote, cool. I just know what our team was and what it could be. I want to think the oath I took meant something, the whistleblower told the Times. I consider some of our team's actions an abuse of power and potentially a substantial and specific danger to public health and safety.
0: So, anybody? Um- <laughs> So tick the boxes, do your job, and keep quiet. Yes. Don't rock yeah. the boat.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice to know? Mm. <laughs> it's wonderful. So, <laughs> <laughs> to hide what you're doing, that
2: means you're doing something you shouldn't be doing in the first place.
1: Thank you. That is exactly right. So, yeah. I promised you guys fun. Wasn't that fun? No. <laughs> you fibbed, Jan. I did lie. Yeah. I lied, but at least I admit it. Um, do you want to talk about the kids walking home through the park? Do you want to talk about Stingray?
2: Well, if you do the Colorado Boy story, uh huh, you have to do the one that's right after that and the notes too after it because i i need those two to
1: be together the the colorado boy um i i was talking about the maryland one but oh i know exactly which one you're talking about yeah hang on uh, oh <laughs> yeah i do actually that's actually i put them together that way so you could cheer of, me
2: up at the end you I could piss know. me off but then
1: make me laugh <laughs> I made you laugh earlier with the stupid criminal, didn't I?
2: Well, no, I still think the the government employee went to two to six hours
1: of porn. <laughs> it's a porn. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. You're pretty funny. I, I've never, I'm like, two to six hours? That That's a committed human being. You know? A day?
2: Every day? <laughs> I know.
1: I'm amazed by that. I really am.
0: He's keeping two his six. call on healthy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, i <I'm not. laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I don't care. But the fact that he's doing it and it's taking my taxpayer dollars to do it kind of pisses me off.
0: Yeah, you're paying for him.
2: I I
1: know.
2: I guess I'm just not used to shit like that because, I mean, I live in Pennsylvania, but most of the time I've always worked in New York State. And New York State is employee at will. So, I mean, in New York State, if you walk in one day and they all they have to do is look at you and say, "We don't need you anymore," they don't even have to give you a f- a reason for firing your stupid ass. So, yeah, two to six hours of porn a day on their computer, and they can prove it, and they can't fire this guy. I mean, that's like working for the teachers union.
1: Hmm. <laughs> and that, yes. ladies and gentlemen, that's- is why you should look for government jobs.
0: I think I think what I know what he's (laughs) up to. He's planning to be a politician in his future. So he's just getting some practice in.
1: Or something. Okay, Um, I guess we'll go with Stingray.
2: Stand by for action.
3: They're about to launch Stingray.
4: think
0: can
1: happen in the next half hour. Okay. In unsealed document. FBI admits Stingray devices will disrupt phone service. A small crack in the FBI's Stingray secrecy has appeared. A 2012 pen register application obtained by the ACLU was previously sealed, but a motion to dismiss the evidence obtained by the device forced it out into the open. Kim Zeter at Wired notes that the application contains a rare admission that Stingray use disrupts cell phone service. In the newly uncovered document, a warrant application requesting approval to use a Stingray, FBI Special Agent Michael A. Simca disclosed the disruptive capabilities to a judge. Because of the way the mobile equipment sometimes operates, Simeka wrote... In his application, its use has the potential to intermittently disrupt cellular service to a small fraction of Sprint's wireless customers within its immediate vicinity. Any potential service disruption will be brief and minimized by reasonably limiting the scope and duration of the use of the mobile equipment. Notably, the application and the magistrate's approval do not refer to the device by any of the common names, Stingray, IMS, Eye Catcher, Cell Tower Spoofer, etc., but rather as a mobile pen register trap and trace equipment. While it does admit the device will mimic Sprint's cell towers, it downplays the potential impact of the device's use. The fact that Stingray devices disrupt cell service isn't new, but an on-the-record admission by law enforcement is. The warrant application claims that the numbers unrelated to the ones being sought will be released to other cell towers. The unanswered question is how long it takes before this release occurs. As each phone tries to connect, the Stingray will say, I'm really busy right now, so go use a different tower. So rather than catching the phone, it will release it, says Chris Segoyan, chief technologist for the ACLU. The moment it tries to connect, the Stingray can reject every single phone that is not its target's phone. But the Stingray may or may not release phones immediately, Segoyan notes, and during this period, disruption can occur. The problem with the so-called release is related to the amount of disruption that occurs when the device is used. Advances in cell technology have surpassed the ability of Stingray devices to capture calling in location, calling info and location data. Upgrades are available, and law enforcement agencies are scrambling to get their cell tower spoofers up to date. But the general process still involves dumbing down everyone's connection to the least secure and most easily intercepted connection of 2G. In order for the kind of stingray used by law enforcement to work, it exploits a vulnerability in the 2G protocol. Phones using 2G don't authenticate cell towers, which means that a rogue tower can pass itself off as a legitimate tower. But because 3G and 3- 4G networks have fixed this vulnerability, the stingray will jam these networks to force nearby phones to downgrade to the vulnerable 2G networks to communicate. If a device is in operation nearby, all calls that can't find a better connection will be routed to the cell tower spoofer. This means calls won't be connected, texts won't be sent received, and Internet service will be knocked offline. While stingrays are supposed to allow 911 calls to pass through without interruption, these are far from the only type of emergency communications. If the device is deployed for any considerable length of time, citizens completely unrelated to the criminal activity being investigated, may find themselves unable to communicate. And while the targeted number apparently belonged to Sprint, the warrant application notes that all service providers in the area will be asked to turn over a large amount of subscriber information. Directing AT&T, uh, Mobile USA Incorporated, Verizon Wireless, Metro PCS, Sprint, Nextel, and any and all other providers of electronic communication services, here and after service providers, to furnish exponentially real-time location information concerning the target facility, including all cell site location information but not including gps e911 or other precise location information and not later than 5 business days after receipt of request from the federal bureau of investigation all information about subscriber identity including name address local long distance connection records length of service including start date and types of service utilized telephone or instrument number or other subscriber number or identity and means and source for payment for such including credit card or bank account number for all subscribers to all telephone numbers published and non-published derived from the pen register and -and trap-and-trace device during the 60-day period in which the court order is effect. The request seems to run contrary to what's asserted earlier in the warrant application in reference to the Stingray device itself. In order to achieve the investigative directive, i.e. determining the general location of the target facility in a manner that is least intrusive, data incidentally acquired from phones rather than target facility shall not be recorded or retained beyond its use to identify or locate the target facility. It appears there is a catch-and-release policy when it comes to stingray devices, but the FEI's data request to every cell phone service provider in the area contains no such assurances about minimization. Additionally, the request for data on all subscribers to all telephone numbers covers the 60-day period while the use of the tower spoofer is limited to two weeks. So not only did the FBI potentially disrupt self-service while searching for robbery suspects, it has also collected a massive amount of data on every subscriber whose phone happened to connect with its fake tower. It's not really catch and release if additional call location data on unrelated subscribers is obtained from other providers. This broad request was granted without question or additional stipulations by the magistrate judge. The only limitation applied, in a handwritten edition no less, being that the FBI would not be able to use the device in any private place or when they have reason to believe the target facility is in a private place. This falls in line with the FBI's warrant requirements, which is written in a way that ensures that the FBI will never have to stake a warrant for stingray use. The FBI, along with other law enforcement agencies, has refused to answer questions about the disruptive side effects of stingray device usage. With the unsealing of this document, their silence no longer matters. These agencies are well aware of these devices' capabilities, something they're clearly not comfortable discussing. The excuses deployed routinely involve law enforcement, means and methods, and claims about compromising current future investigations. But with more heat being applied by the nation's legislators, this code of silence may finally be broken. The use of these devices, despite being fully aware that critical communications may be at least temporarily prevented, Sends a continual, com- implicit message to the public: your safety and well-being is subject to law enforcement's needs and wants.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised, best... really. Nice, no. nice old technology that doesn't work right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it definitely doesn't work right. So um, that's a problem. But the yeah. fact that they can do with your information as they please, as they see fit, and Judges will order other companies that have nothing to do with it to hand it over. It's pretty fucked up.
0: Oh, and the that's, Stingray's soon going to be obsolete anyway, because some of the modern 4G phones can't even do 2G anymore.
1: That's a good thing. Yeah. That, that's only a good thing. I mean, well, dirt boxes, that was what kind of disturbed me. You had law enforcement flying yeah. around in helicopters using Stingrays from the sky. And this doesn't, I don't know, I'm surprised it doesn't freak people out a little more. It yeah. bothers the hell out of me. <laughs> of course, those, have you seen those stupid blimps that um, you, I know you've seen them, those stupid yeah. blimps they keep putting up in Maryland? Mm. Each $10 billion blimp just kind of floating around. Very, very,
0: to, a very subtle spying technique, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're going to deploy another 10 of those. <laughs> that's your tax dollars at work. So, that's pretty uh, again, comforting. Again, story but, that follows
2: the six-year-old little boy, the story that <laughs> follows that, I like, I like that.
1: <laughs> I knew you would. Bang! There, fucker. <laughs> you know, I, I like that every problem has an easy solution if you just look at it that way. But um
0: Alex is ready. Is if you ready. want me to bring him on?
1: Yeah, I would love that.
0: Okie dokie. I'll just get him in the car. Okay. And we have Alex. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi,
1: Alex. Um yeah, can you turn him up, Barry?
0: And uh, no, you'll have, you'll have to do it. <laughs>
1: Um, you, you're going to have to yell. Sorry. Um, welcome to the weekly Casa update for the week of 3 9 Good evening, Alex. How are you this evening?
4: Good. How are you doing? Can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah I can. I okay. can. I'm, I'm at my work computer, so. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> apologize.
1: Oh, don't apologize. Um, so I have never seen more local alerts in my life. <laughs> Did they all decide to just try to hide all of these things and try to start with them within the next few days or what?
4: Um, I I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of communication going on between (laughs) small municipalities um, considering the craziness of the the ordinances that we're looking at. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, that that would take a a very high level of – Networking that I just don't think they've they've got, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what happened. There was sort of a wave of uh, local stuff uh, towards the end of the week last week, yeah. and it's still coming. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs>
4: um, of course, you know, one of the things is that we sort of recently decided to um, you know step up and, and, and get back into uh, issuing local alerts. I guess because I have so much spare time on my hands
1: Uh, (laughs) you didn't like sleeping did you I know I wasn't enjoying it (laughs) uh,
4: you know it's not it's really not that bad I mean there's just a certain point where I I can't do anything so I I Mm -hmm. do it not it's just you know the the volume of this stuff is is uh anyway
1: (laughs) it's it's mind-boggling but that's neither here nor there I guess
4: um so yeah, there were a bunch of local st- local things that came out um, at the end of the week last week, um, and uh, actually, we are uh, just this afternoon we pushed out uh, uh, an alert for HB one seventy in Texas. Right. Um, just kind of getting right into it here. Um, okay. That is uh, very similar to SB ninety seven. Um, it's not the same bill. It's, I don't know if you could really consider it a companion bill <laughs> yet, um, but uh, it, it has some weird stuff in there about fire safety and, and some other stuff that uh, apparently is is going fire to get removed. Safety, um, okay. but uh, the, these are sort of onerous regulations um, uh, on online sales that would, I think, cut off access to. Tons of people in Texas, uh, um, so we're asking people to send an email asking them, asking their legislators to amend that portion of the bill. Otherwise, it's it would be just a straight up minor ban. Right. Um, so that went out today, okay. um, and of course, Connecticut. We we spoke on on Kevin's show last night about Connecticut. Yep.
1: Um. Did I did I read Westminster <laughs> was trying something with e-cigarettes?
4: Um, is it Westminster or
1: Westchester? It's it's one of those West.
4: Man, now I'm all confused. West um,
1: plates places.
4: <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>
1: okay. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to catch you off guard. I'm sorry. It's Winchester. So much-
4: Winchester. Winchester. Winchester, Massachusetts is looking at banning flavors, and uh, this would be an indoor use ban as well.
1: Oh, well, at least uh-huh. they're going after the majors.
4: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's for an hour ago. That, <laughs> that hearing started an hour ago. Man. Oh, no. um, yeah, we just found out about this um, at some point this morning. Uh, and I, I rushed to put that together, so hopefully that made it out. I, I I emailed that out to probably just over a dozen people in that that area. Um, I also had to kind of include some surrounding communities. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, it, yeah. you know, sometimes if two people show up and and make a credible argument, they'll they'll back down from this stuff. So hopefully that got where it needed yeah. to be.
1: Um so and then uh, Wisconsin had something. I haven't actually even I haven't yeah, even at Wisconsin. Wis- <laughs> okay. Well, um let me go dig out Wisconsin if you want to go through the list and I will talk about Wisconsin at the end.
4: <laughs> oh man.
1: If 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 you've got a list you want to go through
4: <laughs> I know you don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I'm sorry.
4: I actually, while I'm waiting for my my spreadsheet, my magical spreadsheet of horrible <laughs> legislation, I'm to just load gonna here. Ask
2: how many pages that spreadsheet. Has.
1: You don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. That's yeah. That's, I don't, I don't break it down
4: into pages. It's just, <laughs> it's just one big amorphous blob. Um, I and mean, it's taking forever here. Yeah, um,
1: Google's acting weird tonight.
4: I am looking at. Something else that came across the wire today um, was a, uh, there's a a city council meeting in Asheville, North Carolina tomorrow,
1: okay. and
4: they are looking to uh, fold in electronic cigarettes into their smoking laws, um, which I started down this path. and I thought, oh, well, okay, this is just like everything else. They're going to ban vaping indoors and blah, blah, blah. And I took right. a second look at it, and it looks to me like Asheville's Um, smoking laws are actually set up to support businesses who decide that they don't want smoking in their, in their establishments. Right. So rather than the city coming in and saying, you just can't smoke anywhere, they Mm -hmm. say, if you put up a sign in your business, then it's, you know, punishable by whatever, which I think is... Fantastic, um, and what other cities should be doing. So I, I want to look at it a little bit more before I go you know, whole hog on this alert, but um, if, if we can get some wording changed around, uh, this would be another, uh, another municipality. Uh, I don't think Baltimore is necessarily ideal, but uh, this would be another situation where we have some model language that uh, we could refer to uh, in places trying to...
1: Japan. Yeah, well it's always good to have precedence um uh, yeah Winchester Massachusetts that like you said was an hour ago hang on yeah, I know where to go I'll just go to the casks.org <laughs> page on Facebook yeah that's
4: good I, yeah I don't know why my my, uh, my Google drive here we go all right there we go I'm so excited to look at all this horrible stuff. <laughs>
1: it is horrible legislation these people are insane okay oh man um
4: so okay. I, I I've got a list of things that are happening tomorrow okay um,
1: knock it out of the park
4: <laughs> Dixon California uh, which is just outside of Sacramento um, that is actually up on our site Um, defines electronic smoking devices and electronic smoking device retailers which is just absolutely silly Um, and if there's anything that we can do uh, please urge the city council to change that language Um, vapor products is certainly much more accurate and preferable Um, uh, but this would uh, prohibit uh, vaping in all areas where smoking is currently banned um, that meeting is at 10 a.m., uh, which is convenient for everyone. <laughs> um, that is a, a public hearing, um, and the links and everything that is up on our, our site. So if you live in or around uh, Sacramento, or if you happen to live in Dixon, California, I think we have two, two members that live there. Um, please check that out. Uh, if you hear this before 10 a.m. tomorrow Pacific. <laughs> standard or daylight. I, would, I don't know what time we're on. Is this, are we on standard time or daylight time?
1: We're on standard. We were on daylight savings up until yesterday.
4: Okay, so we're so Pacific standard, standard time. time.
2: Yeah. Daylight savings makes me want to move to Indiana. Uh,
1: I, think it, I think it's another wasteful government thing, but...
4: Apparently just... Arizona doesn't celebrate daylight savings time either, so... That... <laughs> good, good,
1: good for them. <laughs> um... You know, let's see, uh, Slovak, California, on the 9th at 6.30 p.m. They're having a public hearing on an indoor use ban. God, kill me. Um,
4: that one, that one uh, is listed as revising the tobacco ordinance to include, include vaporized cigarettes.
1: Vaporized cigarettes. So close. So <laughs> they, well they are trying Alex. They don't know what they're talking about. And you said Dixon, California, and I said Winchester, uh Slovang. Um Oregon. A, uh, uh, I don't, uh,
4: Muskogee, Muscogee, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, Muskegee.
1: It, Muskegee. But,
4: Muskegee. Or yeah, Muskegee. It looks that like Muscogee.
1: That town. What,
2: Jeannie? There's a country song about that town. Okay. The old fogey from Muskogee or some shit like that. So,
4: <laughs> so it's a real, so Muskogee is, is how you say it.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a real place. Well, they, yeah.
4: they're going to have a very real ordinance. Um. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a while, um, you don't want to laugh, but you have to. There's so many of them. It's ridiculous. Um yeah, in fact, uh the seventh, what did you put out? One, two, three, four, five alerts on the seventh?
4: Uh state alerts, I believe. Yeah, no, wait, that state. was those were the local ones.
1: Yeah, those were just local. The yeah. Slovang, Leesburg, Florida. That was about Florida's um uh, that, flavors. That
4: meeting concluded at five or that started at five thirty. Five
1: thirty. So. Yeah, I'm sure that's over by now.
4: And that's, uh, just, that's just a resolution. That's not actually an ordinance. I, I, I saw that some people might – I was afraid that people would misinterpret that. Um, right. A, a resolution is – well, the resolution is urging local retailers to not sell um, flavored tobacco products.
1: Um, non, non-smokable tobacco also. So.
4: Right. Any flavored um, smokeless tobacco or – I. I it doesn't explicitly say um, vapor products, but uh, the, their definition of tobacco products is sort of vague, and it could include that. So, um, this—if you live in Leesburg, Florida, uh, this is this is your warning. Um, this is this is just—they're sending a polite little Christmas card to all the vendors there, saying. <laughs> you know hey don't upset santa claus stop <laughs> selling flavored tobacco products um or we're coming for you so uh just everybody should be on alert there
1: yeah um st charles missouri and do you span um 17th at 7 p.m. that's their second read
4: um, well, we're not even done with the 10th yet <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going by, you know, what's on the Kasapia. If I had to go through your horrible list, I, I, I think I'd start crying, but I'll let you talk.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, Hemet, California. I bet I'm saying that wrong. Um, I don't even really know where that is, but it's a tiny little town, and their uh, city council meeting starts at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time tomorrow. <laughs> Um, and, uh, they will be adding vaping to their smoking ordinance. Um, that is also up on our blog. Uh, Sonoma, California. Was that the one you were about to do? No, go ahead. Sonoma, California, which sounds familiar, but I don't really know where that is. Um, is wine country, it's wine, wine country. country. Yeah. yeah. So they're sort of doomed. Um, <laughs> that is on the 16th. Um, that is at six o'clock in the evening. Um, Pacific standard time. Um, (laughs) this one would be a potentially a flavor ban. Um, another community looking to raise the age of purchase to 21. Um, it looks like they might be willing to compromise with 19 or 20, just as long as they get some yards there. Um, (laughs) And this would also have a advertising restriction. Um, So, uh, yeah, I don't know if all of that is actually kind of worded out in the the ordinance. Um, This was sort of some intelligence we got from another source. Um, But, uh, yeah, Sonoma, California is looking at a flavor ban. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and now
4: we're we're back to we're back to the tenth here. I've got two lists. I've got stuff that I've put up and stuff that I still need to do tonight. Um,
1: I I I'll I'll help you with some of that. I I put something up that I need your help with. If you help me a little bit with wording, I'll help you with the stuff you've got to do tonight. Oh yeah. Once done. I get home, I'm,
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna go through that and, and okay. So
1: and um, if you, you sent me a list in in the email, I saw it and I'll get on that when I'm done.
4: <laughs> yeah i'm I'm by hook or by crook. I'm gonna get this local alert team up and running um
1: the local alert team, which is like you, Julie Wester, and sometimes me
4: Julie won't touch it. She doesn't want <laughs> anything to do with this nonsense um she She deserves to relax mm. after a hard day of being cassaw's executive director, and uh I'm still fresh meat, so that's why I do stupid things like take on local alerts. Mm.
1: Uh, I've been doing this for six years. I just want to help. That's why I'm helping.
4: <laughs> Thank you. It's much appreciated. <laughs>
1: hey. Oh, it's, is. Hey, I hate these people, not the vapors. I just, I hate the legislators. out there. <laughs>
4: so, um, big spring, Texas. I don't know where that is. That's a first reading. Um, that's happening tomorrow at five 30 PM. um, Mm, I have my note says regulate the use and sale of electronic vaping devices. Again, really close, um, and that's certainly much better than smoking devices um, <laughs> in the same manner as other tobacco products. Um, I'll have to look at that more to speak more authoritatively on it. Okay. Um, actually, all of this stuff I, I really haven't uh, dug too deep into. That's the thing with. Uh, the local stuff, it takes a little extra time to look at, to find these ordinances. Um, And every municipality sort of has a different website developer. So, um,
1: And reading them is so fun because sometimes it's, you don't even get a a full, like, you don't get a full understanding of what they're attempting to do because they don't actually have any wording for an ordinance. They just say they're going to do it.
4: Right. Which is fun. Fun fun. Yeah. Saint <laughs> um, Charles, Missouri, uh, which I believe we updated today, that is going to a second read uh on the seventeenth. Um, and uh Missouri of course falls in the I'm gonna mess up the name here, uh by state regional uh I in, say regional advocates for vaping, brave, brave, the brave yeah. people. Um, yeah,
1: the brave who, guys. Yeah, they're, who they're
4: are items. pretty on top of stuff. Um, so uh, that uh, that should turn out a, a good group there. Um, and that I believe is a indoor vaping ban. I don't have my notes. It's
1: indoor use that. ban. Yeah, it's the second read for the indoor use ban.
4: Um and then uh I see what do we got here for um Oh this is good. Uh New Haven, Connecticut is going to prohibit the use of all forms of tobacco in city parks. Um of course public school grounds uh and any other designated city owned property.
1: So sidewalks streets
4: Um I don't think sidewalks and streets fall into that.
1: Nice. But
4: uh uh, I would just love to see the city of New Haven, Connecticut, enforce a snooze ban. Um,
1: <laughs> mouth check, people. Yeah. I want to see who who applies to be a mouth check officer.
4: I'm still waiting for 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 Carl to come back from one of these FDA hearings and talk about how you know somebody stuck a white <laughs> glove in his mouth. Um, let's see. And and everybody else, I'll just rattle off the names here. If you live in the following areas, um, let's see, you should probably be paying attention to what your city council is doing. Montgomery, Alabama. uh, I think we put this out, didn't we? San Luis Obispo, California.
1: Yeah, well, San San Luis Obispo has to go through a second reading, but you've got idiots in their local paper saying, oh, thank God they're banning it. No, they have to go through a second read. That's that's in their charter.
4: Actually, you know, since you mentioned it, uh there yeah. was an article that someone had posted up from um Olean. It's it's a city in a county in New York State. Um it's it's that's eight
2: miles from me. That's that's where I have to go to find a Walmart.
4: Okay. Um, well, then
2: you'll you'll be curious about this then. <laughs>
4: Um so yeah whatever county that is in um like, county what is it
2: cataugus
4: cataugas county c a
2: yeah, t c a r a u g u s yeah it's yeah it's painted okay
4: so I, I think that um either the i think the county might be looking at um an indoor vaping ban or they already they had. they've had two
2: thousand and nine on the books okay wow. i don't so think the most county
4: The the county has one. And then whoever wrote this story seems to think that if you introduce legislation, magically it becomes law um, because (laughs) they are under the impression that the entire state of New York has prohibited vaping indoors, um, which is absolutely not the case. Uh, None of those bills have actually had a committee hearing yet, um, from what I can tell. Um, Actually, that's pretty bold to say none of them, but um, as far as I can, as far as I have seen, all the bills that we had issued the alert for in New York State, um, they're they're just assigned to committees at the moment. They haven't actually passed, um, and we actually know we have been told that at least one of them, the, the sponsor, isn't going to pursue. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to withdraw the bill, but um, they're just they're not gonna going to let it slip. die in committee. Yeah, they they just don't have the energy. Um, <laughs> I think. I think a strong showing from, from New York State vapors early on probably, you know, sent the message that we're not just going to go quietly into the night. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting post. Um, and that is actually – I've seen that on Facebook and it got kind of emailed to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so. Uh, legislation is not magic. There is a process to it. Um yes. But uh, yeah, the San Luis Obispo I, I have it listed here is going on a final reading and adoption, um, and I'll need to update that at some point.
2: I interrupt. Uh-huh. But what was New York? What was the one about Olean?
4: It was an article um, that that someone had posted up in our Facebook group, um, and the, the the writer of the article was saying, uh, I, I, "I'm sorry that I am not that I don't remember it better." Um, but they were basically saying that, I guess, thankfully that the state of New York had prohibited vaping indoors this year,
1: <laughs> which they didn't,
4: but yeah, which hasn't happened. I mean, there are certainly at least there's more than one bill that would do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. that they haven't, uh, progressed past being assigned to a committee. Yeah. Um, so if you're in New York, don't, completely freak out and don't I just I wouldn't read that paper anymore (laughs) because they just make stuff up
1: (laughs) (laughs) which is frightening but um, that's actually kind of why we do this (laughs) yeah Um, yeah.
4: so I'll just rattle down this list here Um, so yeah San Luis Obispo final reading that's coming up on the 17th Uh, Denton Texas Um, again I don't have my notes complete on these but you can just assume that these are probably all indoor use bands Um, Naperville Illinois we have something out for that Um, let's see St. Charles we talked about that Washtenaw Michigan yeah Um, that's coming up on the 18th Saratoga, Santa Clara California Um, the 18th Ulster, New York, on the 19th, mm-hmm. uh, Westchester, New York, that's April 12th, El Cerrito, California, April 15th. Um, and that ordinance will be considered in the planning committee on the 18th of March. Right. Um, very odd to be getting this much notice for this for these <laughs> bills. Um, I don't know if if uh, you know, the people that are feeding us this information have paid more for their intelligence or um, if these cities actually want to have a dialogue about this stuff. Um, but uh, for what it's worth, that's a pretty huge heads up.
1: Yeah. That, that's. <sighs> <laughs> that is very unusual. Um, and I see Alaska. SB1 is going in front of the Health and Social Committee on March 11, 2015 at 1.30 p.m. And HB40 is going to be heard on March 10th at 3 o'clock. The problem, if you are in Alaska, is they are not really allowing people to go and speak. But I think you can submit testimony to them online. And I'll I'll find out more about that since I brought it up. It's my bad. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, the note that I got actually was that... Um, I don't even know if you're going to be able to submit testimony. Um, but uh, writing letters will absolutely... It never hurts to send an email. And um, yeah. I, I can't remember... Man, well, just have the other
1: thing... The other thing
4: right I can't remember things.
1: The other thing I would actually urge people to do is a lot of like the ALA people and the tobacco free kids people, they get together and they write these letters to the editor. And if you happen to comb through smoking stuff, and I do, you'll see the same letter on the same day in the same town for like all the local newspapers about a ban and stuff. If you're going to write a letter to Or send an email to your representative in Alaska. Take the same time you would and just change the wording a little bit and send it to your local newspaper's editor. They might publish it and that might sway some people as well. Um, There's not a whole lot you can do when they've made up their minds. But, I mean, that's something we've always had the ability to do.
4: Thanks for bringing that up. I I realized that I didn't actually update our blog post on Alaska. Um, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, no, I I need the reminders. I was actually waiting for some more information about submitting testimony or whether or not people would be able to. Well, um, they're
1: they're badgering their legislators right now to
4: try to. Yeah. So anybody, we did send out an email um, blast. I think. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, we're refreshing the the campaign for both of these bills, and uh, people can continue to send use our um, system to send messages, or just do the normal thing and find out who your lawmakers are and uh, send them an message, message that way. Um, Alaska also has the public opinion message system, um, which you can send if for fifty words or less. If you can manage to boil down tobacco harm reduction into that short. <laughs> space, um, by all means. Does it
1: accept links? (laughs) I don't
4: think so. Oh, well then. It's pretty basic. Okay. Um, But, you know, to Alaska's credit, they have, because Alaska is such a huge state and uh, sometimes roads don't connect, um, you can go to your legislative information office and participate in hearings uh, through their sort of teleconference system. Nice. Um, or, ordinarily you could do that but apparently on this one uh testimony is being at the uh, accepted at the, the sponsors discretion or the committee chair's discretion um so i i, I don't know because it's set up that way it, it's likely they they may not vote on the bills uh at these these hearings um but but still uh alaska residents should send emails Whew. um <sighs> And I haven't even really – gotten, I've gotten started on it, but uh, Pennsylvania has the governor's budget to contend with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was released last week Yeah, because because Governor Tom Wolf is, is brand spanking new. Um, mm-hmm. He gets an extra 30 days to uh, release his budget. Uh, and so he took full advantage of that and released the executive budget last week. Uh-huh. Uh, and that contains, I believe, a forty percent <laughs> wholesale tax on uh, both electronic cigarettes and um, uh, smokeless tobacco products. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not actually realize this, but Pennsylvania has never had no. a tax on smokeless tobacco.
1: And you know why that is?
4: No, I don't. I Bill, know there's controversy. Bill
1: Godshall. About- it's oh, Bill like Godshaw. He's That's a right. pit bull. He goes in there and he rips him a new one every time they start this stuff. So I imagine this brand spanking new governor has not, we'll yet get to meet meet pleasure, has not met Bill yet. And and he's gonna
2: wish that after he gets done meeting Bill, he's really gonna wish that he'd been on the other side of the fence
1: for the meeting. Yep. <laughs> yes, he
4: is. <laughs> yeah, Bill's a force of nature, man. I would I hope that. I hope that hearing is uh is somehow Televised.
1: broadcast. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be that awesome. Reality TV I would watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it might be worth getting him one of the GoPro cameras <laughs> to take in with him if they're I, not going to broadcast I'll, it. For Christmas I'll send it to him. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> nice. Oh my. And there is humor still to be found in this. Um
4: Yep. Have there to. was some good news um, Yay. Last, um, I believe Actually there was, there was a couple pieces of good news um, The Flavor ban bill in Illinois HB 3362 Yes um, I don't know if tabled is the Appropriate word for this um, Let's see Yeah table bill Resolution Pursuant to rule 60B um, so it's, I don't know if that constitutes being withdrawn, but, uh, it, it would appear that the flavor ban is no longer an issue in Illinois, at least for this legislative session,
1: which is always nice.
4: Um, were, I think there was something else that was tabled or withdrawn last week. I just don't have updated notes on it. Um, but, uh,
1: <laughs> um, um, the The problem is the 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 local alert and the legislative team is just generally one or two people <laughs> so that that's the problem with this so if it seems a little um because i don't I don't think we're scattered I think there's just so much of it it's you're drowning in it literally, you know what I mean just so much information and to try and compress it and get it all out in a in a organized form is, is a real challenge, but I think you've done a good job with that. Did better I, than I would have. I would have like, here's a list. Ah, <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, I'm learning on the fly and, um, I, you know, I, I have a, uh, strange interest in, in, in lawmaking. I, I don't know where I get it from. Neither of my parents are, lawyers or legislators by trade so um, I'm a bit of an oddball but
1: uh, It's such an uh, alien process.
4: It, it really is it's, it's, it's fascinating um, just the way that people have to talk yeah. <laughs> in order to do this stuff um, um,
1: You would love C-SPAN though because I love C-SPAN it, it, it's like the best reality show on TV I know It's like that watching sick. golf
4: but it affects millions of people
1: well, it, it, it's, it's literally like the worst reality show on TV. It, 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 it's like a train wreck. You can't look away once you understand what they're talking about. And that's most of the time they're talking about your money. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, um, plenty to do. So we have more to do.
4: Yep, I gotta I gotta take the bus home and uh, get cranking on some of this stuff. All
1: right. Uh, um, when I'm done here, I'll start on the list you sent me. Okay.
4: Cool. Uh, you might want to check back into the master spreadsheet and uh, <laughs> some of those things have been. I've taken care of a couple of, or at least one of those things. So. Okay. Uh, that's the place to start. We're gonna we're gonna sit down at some point and have like a big Skype uh, team meeting. Um, in, in which I hand out Dakota rings and uh, letter jackets. And, uh,
1: <laughs> Dakota rings, letter jackets, drink more Ovaltine.
4: Yep. And you,
1: uh, you got that was from a Christmas story, right? The little orphan Annie Dakota ring. Oh
4: so, no! I just figured that was what. Like, if we're going to be superheroes, <laughs> if we're going to be legislative <laughs> superheroes, we need to have some sort of special <laughs> ring.
1: All right, uh-huh. if we're legislative superheroes, I want to be Iron Man.
4: Cool, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I'll get started on that, and I will check into the master list. Thank you for coming on, Alex. Have a good night. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Um Oh, uh, CASA is still updating the website. And if you haven't yet, submit your testimonials to testimonials at CASA.org. And if you're not already a CASA member, please consider joining us to help us protect your vaping rights. Thank you, Alex.
4: Thanks for having me on.
1: See you in a little bit. See you. See, I promised you guys fun. (laughs) Yes, Iron John. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, It's really not as bad as all that. If it's local, you really do have a chance to defeat it. Even a few emails or a few phone calls really can defeat these things. It's just making sure that people know about them is the challenging part. But we're trying to do that. Yeah, let's see. We covered Stingray. How about we do Genie's Two... Or No, here we go. Silver Springs, Maryland. And then we'll do Genie's Two Favorite Stories. Back to back. Free-range parents found guilty of child neglect for letting kids walk home from park. Two Maryland parents have been found responsible by Child Protective Services, of unsubstantiated child neglect for allowing their 10-year-old boy and 6-year-old girl to walk a mile home from a local playground from, to the family's residence. Their crime, they allowed a 10-year-old boy and a 6-year-old girl to walk a mile home from a local playground. Um, their issues began when an anonymous caller phoned the police on the afternoon of December 20th to report seeing the children walking home alone in Silver Springs, Maryland. Police picked the children up as they were walking home and brought them to their home in a police cruiser. The officer told the father, Alexander Mitev, a physicist from the National Health Institute, that the children were found walking the streets unsupervised. This, of course, came to no surprise to Mitev, as it was under his guidance that his children had earned the responsibility of, on occasion, being allowed to walk home from the park at a specified time. The parents said that they gradually let the pair take walks on their own and that their children knew the area, which is along a busy Georgia Avenue. Which is along busy Georgia Avenue. Being the stellar authority on parenting that he was, the officer didn't think that was acceptable. Within a few hours, the CPS officer was at the home threatening to take the kids away. if Mative didn't sign a form acknowledging that he wouldn't leave the children unsupervised until CPS had a chance to review the case and make a determination. The Mative said that if they didn't feel as if the children were able to handle the walk, they never would have allowed it and that it was a responsible decision made by intelli- made intelligently and consciously. Then in February they received a letter telling them that the investigation had been completed and announced a finding of unsubstantiated child neglect. We got this form letter last week that said in nice big capital letters, you have been respo- found responsible for unsubstantiated child neglect, Mative told the Guardian by telephone. As a parent, you try so hard to do what's best for your kid. You put so much energy and emotion into raising them, only to have a government agency come in with a silver pen and judge you for negligence. Paula Tonson, spokeswoman for the Maryland Department of Human Resources, said as a general practice, CPS officials in Maryland reach one of three possible findings after neglect investigations ruled out unsubstantiated or indicated, I'm sorry, ruled out unsubstantiated or indicated, according to the Washington Post. Unsubstantiated findings are usually made when CPS believes there is information that supports a child neglect conclusion. If there are credible conflicting reports or there isn't submission, sufficient information to make a more definitive determination. The CPS decision was based on an interpretation of a law regarding the supervising of children which says children under the age of eight cannot be left home alone. The unsubstantiated child neglect charge means that the case will remain in the state's database for five years if no further reports are added to the file. I don't want there to be a file. We never should have been on their radar in the first place. We shouldn't be in their system at all, and certainly not with some allegation of neglect, whether substantiated or not, says Danielle Mative, a writer and science consultant. The Matives intend on appealing the charge in hopes of getting it expunged. However, in what sounds like a retaliatory move, Sandra Barnes, assistant attorney general in the Maryland Department of Human Resources, claims that such a move may lead to the charge being escalated to an indicated child neglect case. I am absolutely nervous, and that's why we have to fight, fight this, said Danielle. What happens next time? I refuse to be bullied into this. We know this is right and healthy for our kids, but we're going to keep them home just because we're scared of CPS? That's insane. That's why we have to fight this. The Matives believe in a parenting style labeled as the free-range kids movement. They believe that giving their children independence rather than helicopter parenting is a much healthier way to raise responsible children. This isn't some crazy newfangled movement. This is how parents have raised children for generations, Danielle Matives said. The movement started when Lenore Shansky... In 2008, after she wrote a newspaper column about allowing her nine-year-old son to ride the subway, which sparked major controversy. This really is a deep but misguided belief that our children are in real danger, Shkansky said. The point is highlighted by the fact that the Polly Closs Foundation, a child safety nonprofit, claims the number of children taken by total strangers is roughly only 100 per year. The vast majority of abductions are perpetrated by someone known to the child or family members in custody disputes. This country has become a land of snitches, where anybody who sees a child doing anything they think might be a little bit dangerous turns in their neighbor, Shansky said. They think they're being a good Samaritan. The motifs say that they will not change their behavior. It is the healthy choice for their children. The government has no right to treat parents exercising their well-thought-out parental judgment as suspects that need to prove they aren't doing anything wrong. The true tragedy is that scores of children needlessly taken from loving loving, and capable parents only to have those children end up stuck in a cyclical system of abuse. All too often, these children are victimized or even killed while in the system. Yeah. Yeah. Go
2: ahead. So parents are trying to raise their children to... They need to... Earn respect and control is basically Mm -hmm. what this is. They need to earn the respect from their parents that they trust them enough that they can walk from here to here unsupervised so that they can mature. Yeah. And this is bad. This, this, This is just stupid. I swear to God, Jan, all of these rules that they're coming up with, they're coming up with all this shit to make these children feel either afraid or that they need to be sheep. They need to be led. They need to be supervised. That They can't be on their own. And it's absolutely ridiculous. This is no way to
1: raise a child. I agree. It is no way to raise a child. I mean, I'm when I see stories like this becoming more common, and they are becoming more common... Um, I'm absolutely happy I didn't have any. But, you know, it kills me. Here's somebody who works for the National Science Foundation. And here's their mother who's a public health expert. Really? These people are neglectful parents that don't know how to raise children? I think they might know a little bit more about how to raise kids than we give them credit for. I'm just saying. I'm not saying a scientist makes a perfect person to raise a child, but... You know, they're not generally stupid. It's very frustrating. And like you said, fear is kind of a currency. It's kind of the currency we trade in. Um, and newspapers and magazines sell it to us at increasingly higher levels. And so does the government. Because they gain something from that. We tune into these stories that are about fear and control because they appeal to some instinct we have inside. Uh, Possibly the instinct of, (laughs) we don't want that to happen to us. Um, But the government gets something from it as well. The higher the level of fear, the more money they can take from us, the more control they can wrest from us to have over our own lives. So, yeah. Um okay I'm going to read your two favorite stories I'll leave the um I'll leave the one about the, the back door and computer cryptography for some other time Colorado boy 6 suspended for threatening classmate with finger gun you're dead A 6-year-old Colorado boy was suspended from school Monday after he pointed his finger in the shape of a gun at another classmate and said you're dead Austin Thurston, whose son, Elijah, attends Stratton Meadows Elementary School in Colorado Springs, says he believes a one-day suspension for a make-believe gun is too extreme. I know they have zero tolerance, but maybe more of a no recess, he told a local ABC affiliate. Going as far as a one-day suspension is a little extreme for a six-year-old in a first-grade class. According to Elijah's behavior report, an administrator spoke with him about being about what being dead means and not confusing games with reality, the station reported. A spokeswoman for Harrison School District 2 said school administrators felt they issued appropriate disciplinary action, the station reported. She also reportedly said the school speaks with parents before issuing a suspension and considers current as well as previous behaviors. Elijah, who had been at the school since January, has had minor behavioral problems in his previous school, But this was the first incident at Stratton Meadows, his dad said. Mr. Thurston said he and his wife have spoken with the boy about guns, the station reported. We just told him there's a time and a place for everything, and we told him school is never a place for that. We let him know guns in the wrong hands will be very dangerous, he said. He knows the difference between really doing that and just putting your finger up and saying, boom, you're dead. We made sure he understands the severity of what he said, although the school didn't report. Elijah is writing a letter of apology to the school, the station reported. Why? Why? It's like the child with the one true ring.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Your schools have gone crazy.
3: No, the schools
2: haven't gone crazy. The fucking administrators and the teachers have gone insane. I, I swear to God that I think... These people want these children to come in there and do nothing.
1: I've said before, I think school is turning into a form of prison. Go ahead.
2: Not supposed to have an imagination. They're not supposed to. This makes no sense. Children learn best when they become curious about something and they want to investigate it. Having an imagination is a very good thing. If people didn't imagine things, we would have no inventors. I, I, Jan, I'm telling you, it's it's the raising sheeple thing. It, I swear to you, that's it's
1: just ridiculously stupid. Well, we we've talked about the board of education, and we've talked about how it happened at the federal level, and the people who contributed to it were. The rich banking families. And, and the reason they contributed to that is because they wanted people just smart enough to run the machines and just stupid enough to passively accept the crappy wages, the long hours, you know, and everything else that they're forced to deal with to have a job. And the school system is turning out perfect little people for that. They're doing exactly what the people who funded the Federal Department of Education want. It couldn't be any better for them. It couldn't be any worse for us as a country. And Jeannie's favorite story (laughs) of the evening. Bill proposed to legalize shooting down drones. Over the past few years, there has been a lot of talk about passing laws to legalize shooting down surveillance drones. One city tried to pass such a bill and received threats from the FAA. Now a, a similar bill has been proposed that would legalize drone hunting throughout the state of Oklahoma. Last October, the company Silencer Company, the company Silencer Co., began taking orders for the first commercially available silencer for shotguns. One of their ads featured someone nicknamed Johnny Drone Hunter. The promotional trailer for the Salvo 12 shotgun suppressor from Utah-based Silencer Co. said the following. In the non-too-distant future, privacy is a thing of the past. Undeniable rights degrade like the paper they were written upon, and Big Brother has a constant eye on you and your family. That's when a determined man and an unequaled weapon, Johnny Drone Hunter, enters the scene with his salvo, openly promoting shooting down drones. A year before that, on April Fool's Day 2013, a powerful and convincing joke spread like wildfire through gun culture. Websites frequented by firearm enthusiasts were blazing with the claim that the LuckyGunner.com had offered pre-orders for new shotgun loads specifically designed to disrupt drone operations. The fictional anti-drone shells created so much excitement that the website server briefly experienced outages from traffic. Literally hundreds of thousands quickly tried to add the ammunition to their shopping carts, but after they clicked add to cart, they were disappointed to learn it was all an April full Day joke. The load claimed to be made of depleted uranium. That was the dead giveaway that it was all a hoax. The description of the fictional round explained that once the drone was shot, whether or not it was hit in a critical area, it would have its circuits disrupted by the uranium. This was a moot point as it does not take such great lengths to shoot down a drone, according to experts. But the April Fool's Day social experiment reviewed, much like silencer, Co's salvo ad is the widespread interest in civilians shooting down drones. But one small Colorado town, Deer Trail, um, fast forward a few months from then, uh, Deer Trail, a small Colorado town, considered a measure that would have allowed residents to hunt federal drones and shoot them down. The FAA even chimed in and warned the town against this as completely illegal on a federal level, even if the town legalized the practice. Is it illegal? Of course it is but it's also illegal to spy on American citizens. Resident Philip Steele said to CNN during a phone interview, if they fly in town, we will shoot them down. Steele wrote the ordinance after learning that the federal aviation Admission loosened regulations that would allow the flight of drones in domestic airspace. The FAA recently announced plans to allow widespread use of domestic drones in 2015. The overall purpose of this test program is to develop a body of data and operational experiences to inform integration and the safe operation of these aircraft in the National Airspace System, the agency explained. The Deer Trail ordinance ultimately failed due to the FAA warnings. I was a very good boy giving Deertail a chance, so I fully intend to take this to other towns, a defiant Phil Steele said during an interview with the LA Times. But the FAA wouldn't have gotten involved when, if the FAA hadn't gotten involved, one resident told us. I've no doubt it would have passed, but we didn't want the bad press we we're getting. We're a small town. Now, another town is considering a similar ordinance. Oklahoma Senator Ralph Shortley said the criminal ailment drug smugglers are using these, you know, cattle theft. Cattle thieves are using these things to track the movement of cattle. That's why Senator Shortley proposed a bill he said is aimed at protecting land and privacy. If it passes, he explains, then the state of Oklahoma would not prosecute you for shooting down drones. The bill would still prohibit shooting drones on a residential area, but you could use anything else on it. You have the ability to damage it, destroy it. Do whatever you need to if you don't want it on your property, shortly explained. With all of these, all of the obvious excitement from so many about the idea of shooting down federal surveillance drones, it raises the question of what will be next for the use of drones in domestic spying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really don't. A lot of us really don't like the idea of that. Uh, Drones. I, I don't like them.
2: I think we should, you know, and I said this a long time ago. There will be laws made about these things. There, there really will be because it is an invasion of privacy and people are going to start shooting this shit down. And I think when it is hovering over your yard, taking pictures or video or whatever, you have that right. Um, I I really do not like all of these fucking things flying around. I really don't.
0: The UK already has laws. There's a I mean, police force bought a drone.
1: It's, uh, and then it's, they're
0: told they couldn't fly it Because they didn't have the right paperwork <laughs> Well,
1: I mean we, We've got some laws But nothing that really protects Your privacy And every court seems content To let the police Just shit all over your Fourth Amendment rights So you don't have Much recourse left And And you know, I will tell you, I think legislation like this will prompt people to move yeah. to places where they are allowed to protect their privacy. Because you saw Citizen Four, very so yeah. you're going to understand when I bring it, this up. Um, Jacob Applebottom, is that his name? J- J- Jacob Applebaum is sitting there and he's talking to the man who ran lava bit. And LavaBit was the place that took itself completely out of the email process. It kept no hard copies, all your stuff was encrypted, and it had no knowledge of what you were doing. Um, LavaBit shut itself down after the NSA, the FBI, and the CIA tried to force it to release Edward Snowden's emails. He wouldn't do it. He said, you know, the only thing a person of integrity can do is to shut my business down. And someday... I would like to provide you with the same service I did before, but I can't now. And ethically, I couldn't do that to my customer. So um, that man gets a big kudos in my book. But Applebaum is sitting next to him. A very smart man. He wrote the book Homeland, if anybody's interested. Um, who no longer can live in this country because he exposed a bunch of stuff. So he lives in Germany. A lot of people who've exposed stuff about the surveillance capabilities of our government now live in Germany. Um, said, you know, we keep people my age do something and I find it disturbing. When we talk about liberty, we've taken the word liberty completely out of the equation. We equate liberty with privacy and we say that we no longer have privacy and privacy is dead, but we don't call it what it is. Privacy is personal liberty, and that is being stolen from us on a huge level and he's absolutely right, yeah. people just aren't calling it what it is, and I'm guilty of it too. This is a fundamental loss of liberty, and people will only take so much. I firmly believe that
0: oh yeah, I mean um look what happened in the u k with a riot. <laughs> The police had gone too far, and yeah, people just took to the streets. They're ripping down CCTVs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then people started nicking everything in sight. But yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't control how a riot's going to go. You know? Yeah, when you are going to get your riot on, you know, you have no control what happens after that because um, there is the psychology of the crowd. And yeah, and that was the, people cause don't the, recognize. You know that.
0: the. Most of the violent outbreaks we've had in the UK are down to the police trying to cover up um, mm-hmm. indiscretions, and and we get quite violent about it, apparently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny. It, in I can't, I can't say this in any way that's going to sound right, but. I see the way the UK Vapors are standing up and really fighting this this legislation, the TPD, and a lot of other things. Your privacy rights people are years ahead of us in so many ways. Um, you're starting what I think is the end of the privacy nightmare over yeah. there, hopefully. And we're just starting the beginning of ours and it causes a fundamental change in how people see themselves and their interactions with their government. Um, I can only hope things improve for us here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's,
0: yeah, there have been, um, I mean, things like drones and camera surveillance and a lot. I mean, Britain's been Oh yeah. writing and rewriting the legislation on it for 30 years. Um, so, yeah. It well, you are the while.
1: most. You are one of the most surveilled places on earth.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, we are. Some so, ludic- like every square mile has at least one camera or something. Yeah. Something crazy like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Every show that every show that comes out of the UK, it's if it has anything to do with the police, it's well, let's check the CCTV
0: footage. Yeah. Every city center it's got CCTV. So yeah, um, um, the criminals don't tend to do robberies and stuff in city centres anymore. Because <laughs> they know they'll get caught. Put,
1: Jesus, Thomas. Put CCTV in every home. House yeah. burglars should... Householders should help us trap burglars, says Scotland Yard Chief. D- I, did I they think, fire I think
0: he'll that be, be he, Well, if if not, he'll probably be... Uh, asked <clears throat> to retire quite soon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you, you can't say that. It's bad enough that Oh, that's, that's just-
0: the hilarious thing about cameras in the UK. Right, we've got more than anywhere else in the world. But right. you know where they are, because you're not allowed to put up a CCTV camera unless you've got a sign telling people that you've put up a CCTV camera.
2: Oh, yeah, but a lot of times people ignore shit like that. Um, and, and this is just just a funny, um, Paul, my husband owns the car wash and the storage buildings here in town, okay? And we have one of those vacuums. You know what I mean? The vacuums with the car wash? Yeah. Right. Big giant things? Well, and there's a trash can beside it. And, you know, everybody knows it's illegal to dump your garbage. Everybody knows this. And it got to the point that with that trash can that we had to put this giant wood frame and lid thing on it. All right? So, and then you could only open it up about six inches. Mm -hmm. That's all the farther it opens. You lift it up and there's like a six inch opening for people to put stuff in. Do you think that stopped people? No. No? And we have video cameras everywhere. Jan, (laughs) you cannot look anywhere down there at that car wash and storage building without seeing a sign that says, this property under 24 hour surveillance. We had video cameras up and a DVR. There's uh, five, six, six, six cameras down there. Right. Six! And they're obviously placed. People will pull up, open the back of their car, take a bag of garbage out, and set it beside the fucking can because they can't lift the lid to put it in there. Get in yeah. their car and drive away.
0: Well, um, in UK, all the city centers um, run to actually have live staff watching the camera systems all the time, 24 hours a day. And if there's some problem, they will call the nearest police unit to go and have a look.
1: <laughs> people are assholes. I swear. <laughs> people are assholes, but I the, the prevailing theory used to be, at least when we started doing this external surveillance of people on the street and in businesses, was that... If you put up a camera, people will behave better. We're starting to find out that that is not the truth.
0: Well, I will because they've got used to cameras.
1: People have become so numb to the fact that they're there that they're just going to do what they're going to do. And well, they, so, they
0: realize the police can't be everywhere at the same time. So yeah.
1: Exactly. So, you know, a criminal will always be a criminal, no matter what. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many cameras you have up. If the opportunity exists, they will do what they're going to do. And that is assuming you actually think the government just wants to watch what the bad guys are doing. I don't. But I live here where we have the NSA data center that can store more data than any place has ever stored on Earth, ever. That you know, we know of. Uh, that we, yeah, that we know of currently, you know. So, yeah. Um, Till somebody else leaks something else horrible, and we find well, out you that. You saw Citizen uh,
0: Four. I would imagine GCHQ have a rather large data farm somewhere.
1: Well, GCHQ does all the things that our government surveillance is not allowed to do. I highly yeah. recommend watching Citizen Four. By the way, I highly recommend it, and it is free online. There is a couple of places that are running the streams now. If you don't have HBO, um, I can dig up the link for you. Um, and put it in chat, uh, that's going to take a minute or two. But, yeah, GCHQ runs a program where they have full data taking. They take all of the data from everything they can get their hands on. Every and,
0: communication that passes through the U.K.,
1: through which the is UK. basically everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything is routed through there in one way or another. And our government loves it. And they love it because GCHQ allows us to steal their data. Now, they can do all the things we're legally not allowed to do, and they let us have the data. So, the five eyes thing is working really well. Um. Basically, those five countries have all of the information about all of us at any time because everyone leaves a digital trail, unless you use some sort of encryption, and even that is no guarantee of your digital. Let's call it digital liberty, because that's yeah. what it is. Even if, that, yeah. Is I mean, if
0: you if no you guarantee. raise their suspicions, they they oh, yeah. can they can get you. Oh.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure just looking at my Facebook, I'm interesting to these people, even though I do nothing. I think most of us are, you know, for one reason or another. And uh, I I think it's really ridiculous. So, yeah, I finally found the link. I had to go to my own Facebook page to get it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this is a link to the site that's actually hosting Citizen 4. Um, I highly recommend you sit down and watch it. Watch the stream. You're going to get an education you didn't want to have. But it's good to know these things. And it was and a great the, film.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the the complete nervousness of Snowden. You know, it's like, it's, every time the phone rang or you hear and, a noise and, outside and, the door. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We hear a loud noise up here. What's going on?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's fire testing. Thanks for letting us know.
0: <laughs> yeah. They almost shit themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was... Well,
0: it's when it goes off the second time. They're like, oh, oh God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, yeah, I guess I highly recommend watching Citizen 4. Um Learn about what these people are doing to you. There's actually the entire Snowden Archive, which I didn't plug tonight, but I'll probably talk about it next week, where you can go through and look at everything that's been released about everything the government takes from all of us, and that's horrific. But, again, it's good to know these things. The more you know, the more cautious you can be, and the more you can do to protect your own digital privacy digital privacy slash digital liberty and if you use encryption and you're just slowing them down imagine what we could all do if we all used encryption and all slowed them down they would have a fuck of a hard time doing this
0: well a lot of the technology companies even people like google are bringing in encryption which kind of screws it all up but uh Well, as usual, Google are playing both sides. They're giving Mm -hmm. data to the governments, but they're also working on concealing data because they're not stupid.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Now, oh, of course, now they've pulled Citizen Four offline. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, yeah, it was the day after it went on HBO, Laura Poitras released it so people who didn't see it could stream it. Yeah, And I'm assuming they've pulled it down already.
0: Oh, yeah. The NSA will be all over it. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> of course they will. So if you've watched that, you're probably on a list.
0: Don't want people feeling sorry <laughs> for Snowden.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, how can you not? Yeah. Well, when you watch that film, you kind of get an idea of the person he actually is. Yeah. Now, I, I always thought... You know the ending's maybe good. Yeah. It is.
0: Well, it's still Not ongoing good. technically, but the end of the film's good.
1: Yeah. The end of the film is good. I uh I was surprised when he said he would come back to the US if they would give him a fair trial. I'm like yeah. stay where you fucking are. Yeah. Try to get to Germany, try to get to, to Switzerland. But God don't come back here.
0: Yeah, don't go don't go to any, yeah. Germany, Sweden, or, yeah, Russia, Russia. Switzerland. Yeah, the countries that keep telling the U.S. to bugger off. yeah, Exactly. Don't end up in a U.K. embassy trapped for the rest of your life.
1: No, you you definitely do not want to be like Julian Assange. Although, (laughs) I will say, I I know people really criticized Edward Snowden, and I'm sorry I'm talking about this so much, but I feel like I need to. I know... After the first few leaks came out, and it was like every week there was a story, every week there was a story, we were covering it. Every, Not everybody was covering it, but we were covering it, and, and The Intercept was covering it, and The Guardian, The New York Times, they were all doing these stories. And, and after a while, I think people got numb to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Had Edward Snowden actually gone the way of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, where everything was just dumped onto the internet... Yeah. I doubt we would be having this discussion today, because if you've ever gone through a wiki dump, it's a hell of a pain in the ass.
0: Well, no, also the data really- Snowden had, if it was dumped the way WikiLeaks dumped their stuff, yeah, th- there would have probably been riots worldwide. Countries right. would have been going to war. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, at least uh, the Guardian, New York Times and everything, there were redacting certain details so that people weren't going to get actively harmed yeah. whereas Assange didn't give a shit about that
1: no I mean but that's the difference between somebody who actually wants to start a debate and a cyberpunk Yep. and there's nothing wrong with cyberpunks I, I kind of have an understanding of why they do what they do but <sighs> information that is just dumped also has unintended consequences The consequences for what was actually done with this information were, they were pretty directed, I think. They -hmm. all pointed towards a trend. Yes. So, yeah. At least we're having the discussion now about digital liberty, digital privacy digital property and digital rights, and it was a discussion we needed to have a long time ago. Just because it's zeros and ones doesn't mean it doesn't fully belong to you. It doesn't mean it's not your digital papers, and it doesn't mean that you don't deserve your privacy. Yeah. I think that might be it for the evening. Okay. Since we talked about shooting down drones, advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in-stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast. AmmoSeek.com Good night, guys. We'll see you next Monday.